Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study, the visual Bible study. As we announce Sunday, we're going to continue our study of Gideon. Gideon was a unique man in a lot of ways, but we started seeing some things. But tonight I want to start with a quote from Jim Carrey. He's the self-deprecating comic that goes around everywhere. And uh, he was presenting the Golden Globe for the best comedy. He started out at saying, I am really not Jim Carrey. I am two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey. When I go to sleep at night, I'm not just a guy going to sleep. I am two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey getting some shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream. No, sir, I dream of being the three-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey. And I think that would make it real. I like the humor, but he does say something that's unique. If I could go one more time, it would make it real. As we studied Sunday, that seems to be where the people are. They're looking for proofs that God's going to be there, and so Gideon looks for some signs, and the first one that came along was that there was a consuming fire on a sacrifice, that totally consumed me, boom, everything there. Things went along fairly well until it came time for Gideon to start making a mark. And Gideon says, I just need a couple more signs. So he looks and he says, I, I'm going to lay some fleece out. And if you can make the fleece wet and keep the, dr the ground dry, then I'll know that you're God and I can go. Next morning he gets up and he runs out and when he wrings out the wet fleece, it makes a bowl full of water. And that's happened on dry ground. So, well, God's met both of his expectations. But not yet. He said, one more, just one more. If you can make the fleece dry and keep the ground wet, then I'll know it's you and that you are God. And so Gideon does and God does. The next morning the fleece is dry, but the ground is very wet. So tonight, we're going to pick up there. We're early in the morning. Gideon and his men camps at a spring of Haberod. The camp of the Midians north of them, the valleys near the hill of Morah. And the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands in order that Israel may not boast against me. 
that her strength has saved her. When Gideon sent the word out, 32,000 came to fight. And now God says, that's too many men, Gideon. So tell the people, anyone who's afraid to go into battle, to go home. And out of 32,000, Gideon loses 22,000 men. I don't know what he felt. I wonder. As he watches the majority of his army leave and he's got simply 10,000 left. But the men who got to go home are happy. And God still has plans. That brings us to the first question that we've had is, in Judges 6, we looked at the Midianites and they came in like swarms of locusts. God raises an army of 32,000 and then sends 22,000 home. If you were Gideon, what would be going through your mind? Mike O'Neill writes, I'd probably be thinking, Lord, you better come through. That's a good answer. Lord, you better come through, but God's not done yet. You see, God takes them down and says, you still got too many men. So take them down to the water. And notice how they drink. There are those who will separate the water with their tongues like a dog, those who kneel down to drink. And there'll be those who pick it up in their hands and drink from their hands. Now, commentators are not really sure about which way this went. Some think that most of the guys who were kneeling just sort of fell out into the river and drank as much as they could take in. While Gideon's men kneeled and lapped what was in their hands. Others think that they were more cautious. They got down on their hands and knees, yeah, but they didn't lay out in the river. That's a little too much. Pay your money, take your choice. It's, it's still being debated. But they come down to the river and God says, Gideon, I got your numbers now. You've got 300 men. And Gideon smiles when he sees there's only 300 men in this number that God is mentioning. You've got 300 men and Gideon's looking at him and he takes a look over at 9,700 men and God says, Gideon, you're looking at the wrong group. We're going to do it with 300 men. Now Gideon is having his faith tested. How do 300 men fight a number that is equal to a swarm of locusts?
God says if you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp and listen to what they're saying. And afterwards, you'll be encouraged. So they go down and they listen at the outpost of the camp. And they look, and the Midianites and the Amalekites are thick as locusts. And their camels could no more be counted than the grains of sand on the seashore. This goes back to the first time it mentioned how many had come in to attack Israel. They were like a swarm of locusts. And in our country, we don't get to see this a whole lot. But over in Europe and Africa, this year, they've had a terrible problem. This is what it looks like to have a swarm of locusts come on your crops. They're everywhere. And there's no hope of killing them all. So Gideon goes down and he listens to the camp. And he comes back discouraged. Gideon comes back and with all the discouragement on his face, he hears a man telling his friend a dream. He said, I had a dream and he was saying a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. Now, if you hear a story like that, there are a lot of things that can run through your head. Uh, one of the things is, look out for the barley bread. It's going to come rolling down the hill, and it's going to predict terrible things. But his friend listened. and said, this could be nothing more or other than the sword of Gideon. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Just a conversation about barley bread. And somebody who hasn't been dealing with God as far as we know, he can say, God did that to fortify your faith. So Gideon calls the camp together. And the Lord has given the Midianites into your hands as pleased. Now this plan is another one of those places where the commentators are divided. Some think it is Gideon's plan. Some think it is God's plan. It doesn't change what happened. He divides them into three companies of ten. He gives them horns. He gives them empty jars made out of clay. And he puts torches inside the jars. They're going to war with trumpets, empty jars, and torches. It's a plan that I don't think most of them understood. But Gideon does 
follow it. And he comes back and he says, just watch me and do exactly what I do. And when I and all who are with me blow your horns, then from all around the camp, you blow your horns and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp. They began in the middle watch just after they had changed the guard and they blew their trumpets and they broke their jars in their hands. The third watch in this day and time, they had three watches. And that middle watch was at midnight. So Gideon and his 300 men have reached the edge of the Midianite camp at midnight. And the three companies blew their trumpets and they smashed their jars, gasping, grasping the torches in their left hand and holding their right hands, and the trumpets were blow and they shouted the sword for the Lord and for Gideon and while each man held his position at the camp all the Midianites ran crying out as they fled remember this is Midian the Midianites and they're out in the countryside there are no lanterns lighting their camp and when they hear that and they see all the torches around they assume it's a big army and they start killing anything that moves. Even though the people who are moving are Midianites. Who would have thought of blowing a horn and breaking a jar, and holding up a torch and yelling could have caused such commotion? But it does. And when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on, to turn on each other with their swords. And the army fled toward Zerath. And the Israelites go after them, and they pursue the Midianites. I wonder how it feels about the 300 now. He sends messages, messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim saying, come down against the Midianite and seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them. And people come in and join the fight. And two of the military geniuses of the Midianites would be caught and killed. That brings us to question two. And it's, when have you been part of or witnessed an unlikely victory? Michael Nea writes, my favorite unlikely victory was when the US hockey team beat the Russians for the first time in the Olympics years ago. Truly, Amazing underdog story, and so much fun to watch. 
than Tiffany Cusman writes, I can remember the summer, summer Olympics when Carrie Shrug broke her ankle on her first vault run, but she still did her second run and nailed it on one leg. Gideon has had a victory, a victory like none other in the Bible. This, of course, is Michael Jordan. On March 28, 1990, Michael Jordan scored 69 points by himself. Phil Jackson pulled him from the game with a minute and a half left. And he sent in his good friend, Stacy King. Stacy King sunk two free throws, and the game was over. Years later, when they asked Stacy King what was the the greatest thing he ever accomplished in basketball he said it was the night that he and Michael Jordan combined to score 71 points. Partnerships make all the difference. And for Gideon, it made all the difference to overcome their fear and doubt and discouragement to win the battle. We have some people answering. How can you win over fear and doubt and discouragement? Remember, God is faithful. We can rely on his promises or spend time in God's word which will remind us that we have a powerful God who is always there for us. The same is true for your faith. They overcame with their faith because they believed God. And then they listened to his instructions even though he went from 32,000 to 300. Then God gave them the victory. Some people come and I ask them, why don't you come and hear me preach? And they say, oh, I, I really am not living a life that I should be at church. I'm not strong enough to be a Christian. And I always tell them, it's not just you. It's a partnership with your fellow Christians. And what you got to do is believe that God and Christ are there for you and then obey whatever he tells you as he did in Acts 2.38 to repent and be baptized. Every one of you. And it's then that you gain the victory. It's then that the partnership takes off. It's then that we all come together and lift each other up so that we have a victory through God. Thanks for tuning in.
I hope to see you Sunday. Good night.